Welcome into the Vandy Sports Podcast and the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Billy Derrick, alongside Joey Dwyer. It is January 4th, 2024. Happy New Year, Vanderbilt fans. And Joey, we've got basketball to talk about. And, and uh, obviously, we've got non-conference play wrapped up. We're going to dive into conference play. Vanderbilt welcomes Alabama to Memorial Gym 2.30, correct, Joey? I never uh, get these times right. I think it's a little later. Let me pull it up. I want to say it's 2.30. Let's see. It is, yeah, 2.30. I'm Boom. in Eastern time still, so I was uh, Oh, that's right. Mistaken. That's right. Joey's still out on break. L- looking forward to getting back in, in person covering these games and then, you know, able to do these rapid reactions. I'll be there Saturday. <clears throat> Joey, obviously, will be covering it as well. Chris, want to give a shout-out to Chris Lee. For uh for for helping us out uh, on Saturday against Dartmouth, uh, he was the the Lone Ranger there. So uh, basketball coverage continues. Uh, of course, we got a lot of football stuff going on. We'll I think the hope is to get a football episode out at some point, potentially next week uh, with, with Luke back, and then uh, maybe get get back in the saddle. But we're all basketball today. Probably won't go super long. But Joey, I want to start with the Wash House. They are our presenting sponsor for basketball season. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to washhouseclean.com or stop in today and get your time back. All right, Joey, let's let's recap non-conference play. Vanderbilt right now sits at 5 and 8 overall, one game win streak. So they they're coming off coming off a win over Dartmouth. Um but but in in this stretch, I I want to get to you know the 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 losses first. Um you know, obviously the <laughs> the wins they do have are are, are important. I mean, it, obviously it be it could be worse, I guess. Um, but obviously it all started with Presbyterian and then Vanderbilt had an 0-2 showing in Vegas. Um, and then they returned home, lose to Boston College and not only lose, but I mean, they got walloped by Boston College. And then San Francisco uh, came all the way from San Francisco to, <laughs> to Nashville during exam week and, um, and really handled Vanderbilt, Joey. And then they lose at Texas Tech. They lose against Western Carolina. They lose against Memphis, but Joey... Uh, obviously, you you know you weren't there, but both of us watched that closely. Competitive, so I think I don't know that that changed a ton. Um, I mean, I I I wasn't shocked uh, by that that result and and how competitive Vanderbilt was. But I'll start with the losses, Joey. What which ones are are sort of explainable, and 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 which ones are you know <laughs> there's no excuses. <laughs> Billy, I don't even I don't even know where to start. So. Presbyterian, I think, is completely unexplainable. Like, how do you lose a Presbyterian? I get there was injuries. We talked about it before, though. Presbyterian came in. They had a really poor year last year. Presbyterian is a quad four game for them, and I think we knew that all along. Presbyterian's been better than I thought. They beat the Citadel, which I don't think is a terrible team. But, man, you can't lose that game. And that kind of set the tone for things. Uh, the gym felt dark and eerie that night, and, I think it's kind of felt that way since. Another tone setter was Vegas. I think if Vanderbilt went into Vegas and won a game or two, it could have really flipped the outlook here. Instead, loses to NC State. I think it actually played pretty well against NC State yeah. with Desert Mignon, and then gets ran off the floor by Arizona State. And 
when they got ran off the floor by Arizona State, I think I kind of knew that, well, this probably isn't going to turn positively. And then, Billy, my narrative from the preseason about Boston College, it was proven correct. Boston College, again, ran Vanderbilt off the floor. I think that one had a little bit to do with the falling out of the Lee Dort thing. Yeah. Um, but, Billy, I, I look really smart. I'm not going to lie to you after that. <laughs> After our debate in the preseason about Boston College, you do. How is uh, how's Boston College doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. Let's just ignore ACC play and just focus on that Vanderbilt game, and we'll we'll <laughs> make me look awesome. Um, Western Carolina, I think, is a really good team. Um, not a team Vanderbilt should lose to, and that's reflected in the numbers. That's reflected in them being a SoCon team. Vanderbilt should not have a habit of losing to SOCON and WCC and um, Big South teams. I think we know that. And it's not even just that. I think what also hurt them is just they didn't beat USC Upstate by much. They didn't beat Central Arkansas by much. And Central Arkansas didn't have its best player in that game. I think Vanderbilt has dug itself a real hole uh, in non-conference play. And it's going to be really difficult for Vanderbilt to get out of that hole. Where did Billy go? Uh, I'm back. I'm back. There's Billy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt is what, 268 in the net right now, 208 in Ken Palm. Uh, you're in a hole that is pretty difficult to get out of. I think maybe even the best outcome for Vanderbilt is that it gets a buy in the SEC tournament so that it can head towards that auto bid. I think the at large resume is pretty much dead. They got to win 15 SEC games to get to 20 wins. They already have a quad four loss, they're low in the metrics they're not going to get to 15 SEC wins to get to 20. They probably won't get 13 to get to 18 either. They probably won't get super close to that, if I had imagined. So I guess the, the course of action here for me, Billy, is I guess you're in the deep enough hole to where you're playing like a mid-major team to where you're trying to get the auto bid. And I don't, I don't know if I believe they can make that kind of run in the SEC tournament, uh, especially if they have to play three games. But, I mean, that's kind of the, the best path to the tournament here. And, I think we're talking about alternative outcomes rather than the tournament or the NIT here. We're just talking about not completely limping to the finish. And it's interesting to talk about that in what early January and December. And we were even talking that way in November, the ceiling for this team's a few fun nights, not an NCAA tournament. And uh, I think that's a little bit adjusted from what we had in the preseason and not in a good way. Yeah. And, and it, you know, Joey, it, it all started night one. I mean, you know, that, that like that's a, that's a type of result, you know, where I, I, I wouldn't blame a fan base for, you know, for, for checking out. And, and I, quite frankly, I think a lot of people did, um, you know, and after that, there really wasn't a result that made you kind of flip your, your feelings. I guess they did win three in a row after that, but it was upstate Greensboro, central Arkansas, and they were, you know, all within 10 points, you know, they, they, they never, I mean, they haven't in their wins, they haven't handled anybody. Um, and the, the non-conference is what has hampered the, the, the Stackhouse era. The, I mean, the entire time he's been here, it hasn't changed. And, you know, we, we've talked about that and, uh, I agree with you, the Vegas trip, we talked about that. Um, I think that was heading into Vegas. That was kind of the last, last straw for the, for this group to, to really, I mean, I honestly think if like if they go to if they go two and zero in Vegas, that kind of flips the script on everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe Boston College is different, you know. Alabama A and M, um, you know. I, I think I think losing to BC and San Fran was big, um, and then Texas Tech just getting walloped out there. 
uh, and then, you, you know, you get to Memphis and you're not really, you know, you're not really in the business of, oh, good effort, you know, n- nice job, you know, that you fought. No, you know, th- th- there's there, there's no time for, you know, for moral victories anymore. Um, now, Joey, on, on the flip side, right, they, you know, they beat Dartmouth. But it, right now, you know, where this team is at in the net, 271, or no, 268, previous was 271. Uh, Ken rising, Palm, Billy. Rising. Uh, Ken Palm has them at 206, uh, right there behind Louisville, which is, I think it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joey, I, I just think right now that, y- yes, it's, I mean, it's going to get better realistically. Like the, I, I think they, I think their, their ceiling, I would say is seven to eight wins and their floor is probably, I don't know. I mean, I think their floor is probably two or three wins, like, but it's not very, you know, I don't even know if their floor is that low. Like I, I definitely see them winning a few, but like you said, that that's the ceiling is winning a few, you know, pulling off a few upsets. Like I just, I, this is totally different than last year. And we're talking about the same stuff. feels like football season all over again, where we're kind of going through the same themes of, you know, you know, why they're not winning games that, you know, no go-to score, you know, they, they, the defense is is simply not good enough. There, there's not enough athleticism. And I was talking to some somebody, Joey, about this, and I don't know that we've ever really mentioned this a ton. Uh, but this person told me Vanderbilt doesn't have any athleticism. You know, if you look at it, like overall, like yeah, you got Tyron Lawrence, Ezra Mignon, um, but other than that, you know, and then with Colin Smith down now, you know, there there aren't too many explosive athletes, you know, on this team that you point to and you go, okay, that's, you know, he's an SEC, high-level SEC guy. Um, and again, that goes back to the recruiting, player retention, and all that that we've talked about. But that word athleticism, there's just not a ton of it outside of the, the two guards that, you know, Joey, when they do win, it will, it'll probably be because of them. So, I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about that a ton before this person told me that, but they said, I just don't see a ton of athleticism. And, and I kind of thought about it, and I go, you know that that is an issue, but I mean, there's so many other things. But I I I heard that I heard that Joey and I, I was like, man, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, I look at it and it's like, I think there's some athleticism on the roster, but it's in place. You okay, Billy? <laughs> I look at it and I'm like, I think there's some athleticism on this roster, but a lot of it is in places that isn't really impactful. They're probably their two best athletes are JQ Roberts and Malik Presley. Presley's averaging nine minutes a game and one point a game. Roberts averaging 10 minutes a game, one point a game. And then you look, I think they're probably three most athletic guys that play are Ezra Mignon, Tyron Lawrence, Ben Allen Lubin, which is good to have those guys as your three most athletic guys, I guess your three best players. But you also look at the other SEC teams and it's like, man, I don't know that those guys would be anywhere near their three most athletic players. So I do think they have a disadvantage there. And I think kind of the hope with this team is that they'd be more long and athletic. And we've kind of seen as a whole that that hasn't really been the case. Stackhouse brought up in the preseason that they're a team that was going to be more athletic. They're going to have more switchability, probably more flexibility defensively. To an extent, I think we've seen that. They've played better in zone than they have in past years. But also he brought up shooting. And I think that's something that we have to bring up as well. There's only a few guys shooting over 30% from three, and it's a lot of the guys 
have been low volume guys. Ezra Mignogna shot 40% from three, which I don't think he gets enough credit for. He's really worked to improve his stroke and it has improved. So credit to him for that. Tyron Lawrence is shooting 30% from three. He wasn't shooting that throughout pretty much all of non-conference play. Lubin shooting 30% on low attempts. Taylor's below it. Smith was below it. Lewis is shooting below 20. West is shooting 26. Williams is shooting 18. Comateros leading the team with uh, 44%. He's actually been really efficient and a good piece for them. But, Billy, you just look at those shooting numbers, and this was a team that was supposed to be one of his better shooting teams, and that was kind of the path here. Because I think we knew that he didn't have kind of that alpha score type outside of Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Mignon. I don't know that this team has as many options to get it off the bounce. I don't know if they have as much talent as a whole, but the path was that they were going to play better defense and they were going to shoot it better. As a team, they shot it below 30% from three, and obviously defense has been an issue as well. They haven't been able to guard the dribble drive. I think something that is really sticking out to me defensively is, one, they don't have the shot blocker they had last year. We knew that. Um, But also they don't have that guy who's going to go and take pride in guarding the best player like Jordan Wright did last year and a guy who can guard multiple positions. I think Ezra Young's a good defender. I think he has a good mentality on that end, but he's pretty limited in who he can guard. Jordan Wright last year could guard everybody, and I think Vanderbilt took that for granted a little bit. He was the Swiss Army knife, like Stackhouse mentioned, and I don't know that they have that this year. When you pair losing your best perimeter defender, a guy who can guard everybody and takes pride in it, he wasn't flawless defensively, but you also pair that with Jordan Wright, or uh, Liam Robbins leaving, and you don't have a shot blocker as well. It's pretty difficult, Billy, and I think we've seen that throughout the year. We've seen it in their numbers. We've seen it in the way teams shoot it from beyond the arc, the way other guards get downhill. Randall has a really tough time guarding, and that was the path here is that they were going to be improved defensively, but I don't know that it's a huge shock. I think their roster construction kind of put them in this spot. They went for athleticism and length and switchability and didn't really account for having – guys who were proven good defenders. We looked at their numbers in the preseason and they didn't have guys who were proven good defenders at the college level, really. So I think there's a lot to unpack defensively, but that's been a real issue for them as well as shooting and as well as athleticism, like you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, it's funny, we've gone through pretty much all the issues with this team and now we're at the point, you know, and as, as reporters, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of nice. You you know the issues of this team. You're not you're not uh, you know you're not waiting around trying to figure out oh, what what is wrong with this team. What's happening? You know, right now uh, this is year five, and basically it's been a confluence of of a lack of player retention, um, a lack of of quality recruiting, um, and then you know obviously injuries. You you had a you know a suspension from a player this year, uh, but. It's just everything sort of all at once this season. And, uh, you know, it's going to be – I feel kind of – I don't know. I feel weird saying this. I don't know how many how many people are interested in seeing how this plays out. But I do think it's 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 kind of an interesting – just like Louisville. Like, how does how does that play out, you know, with, with Kenny Payne? How does this play out with, with Stackhouse and, and Vanderbilt? I, I am intrigued, um, honestly. So, Joey, speaking of that, let's get into the SEC record predictions. We'll kind of close it out with this. Um, uh, somebody actually posed this on the board. I don't know. Was it was that you or or a, or a fan, Joey? I think it was. That was um, not. 
Okay, somebody on the board uh, proposed that. I thought it was a good thread, a lot of reaction. Uh, but it, I mean, it, the consensus was, you know, for most people, three to six, I think. Um, you know, and I, and I would agree with that. I think, I mean, maybe seven, you could you could find a way to to get seven, maybe eight. I just I don't see that personally. Um, I'm in I'm in more of the three to six range, and and I I put in on the board four and fourteen. I guess that 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 would be their their finish. Uh, the worst conference record Stackhouse has had was three and fifteen um, in their first year, which, quite frankly, you know, it was only a three win improvement. But I mean, to to win three was you know you you couldn't really say much after that. You know, it was year one after an zero and eighteen season. Um, year two. Uh, was a little bit better. I want to say I had that pulled up. Was that seven, Joey? Uh, year two? Yeah. Not sure. Either way, the worst record Stack has had as 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 Vanderbilt's head coach in the SEC three and fifteen. So if you do go three and fifteen, or even I don't know two sixteen, you know even close to that in year five, that that's obviously cause for concern, um, and and potentially cause for a change. Um, but at the end of the day, Joey, I just don't see what I thought I saw before the season, right? I mean, I I was I was pretty convinced this could be a tournament team, um, and and you know, I, obviously we weren't sitting here saying it's like football. Same thing with football. I think we were fairly convinced that this football team had the capability of making a bowl game, and if anything, gets to five wins, you know, kind of plateaus, if anything. Same thing with basketball. You know, we, we thought this was this could be a tournament team, but all of a sudden, you know, I, I think I was obviously more positive than you, but even even you, Joey, like I don't I don't think anybody expected it to get this bad this early. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be flipped. Obviously it can, and you know, it's it's been flipped before by this this staff, but not in the same way, and it feels like an uphill battle. Right now, so I'm going to go four and fourteen, uh, Joey, and and I'll see if this this team pr- proves me wrong. Yeah, I just look back at the preseason, and I think we were we were just trying to pass off the best case scenario, and yeah. kind of try to. I think we were cognizant of the worst case scenario, but we didn't think it would get this bad. I think they just had so little margin for error. We thought they had more depth than they did. I think that was maybe the biggest thing in my mind is that we thought they had more depth than they actually have. If Ezra Mignon has an off night, they're not winning. If Tyron Lawrence has an off night, I mean, we've seen it. They're not winning. They're 2-7 and seven when Tyron Lawrence is in the lineup. And those two wins are against Dartmouth and Alabama A&M. And Lawrence had 19 and 22 points. The rest of the games where Lawrence didn't really perform, they lost. I think Lawrence is probably their X factor moving forward, but... Going back to that, I just think they had so little more for error with their front court. Uh, you had to expect that they weren't going to be fully healthy in the front court all year. I think that's worse than we expected, especially now that they lose Colin Smith along with the Lee Dort suspension. Uh, Smith is a big loss for them. But I just look at their conference schedule, and I just think like Liam Robbins is not walking in the door for Vanderbilt. I don't think that this team is as talented as they have been in the past. Uh, like last year, obviously a talented team. Liam Robbins was an all-SEC guy. Jordan Wright was a good player. And then you obviously had the backcourt to pair along with them. I think there's a lot more pressure on that backcourt now. You look two years ago, they had Scottie Pippen Jr. They had Robbins, they had Wright, they had Chapman. I mean, they had a 
they had a really solid roster that year, so you could kind of see the turnaround. I don't know that this is the team that has that level of capability. Um, just I don't I don't know if I see that many guys who I see getting a whole lot better from now until March. I'm sure there are guys who could do it. Maybe Rivera Torres steps up. Maybe Tyron Lawrence gets better. I think Tyron Lawrence will get better. It seems like he's a little more healthy. All that to say, again, I think I'm kind of in your wheelhouse. I would probably give them four to five wins. Uh, Ken Palm has them at going two and 16 in the league with seven total wins. Mm-hmm. Billy, less than 10 wins in year five and even 10 or 11 wins is completely unacceptable. I mean, you look and there's games in the SEC where Ken Palm has them having a 3% chance, a 5% chance. It shouldn't be that way in year five. They shouldn't. And obviously this metric isn't the end all be all, but I think it's probably more accurate than a lot of things out there. They're going to have a really tough time going into some of these places and winning. And I think they could, um, we can talk about this in a second, but there was a theory that I heard from Heel J. Will on Twitter, and I kind of delved into it a little more, that Stackhouse teams play better against teams that they've seen before. Last year they went 6-2 and two against teams they played twice. This year their three best performances in my mind. I guess Dartmouth maybe one of their best performances. Uh, exclude that one. Memphis, who Stack coached against last year, Penny Hardaway. Kevin Keats, he coached against NC State last year. And Alabama A&M, Otis Hubley Jr., Stack coached against last year. So if you're looking for optimism, look at Stack's teams getting better throughout the year and look at the way that they've adjusted the teams that they've seen before. They've seen pretty much all these teams, all these coaches I think they've seen before. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe now he looks at these teams and uh, has a level of comfortability. I don't know what that says about Stackhouse, that – they haven't performed well against teams he's never seen, but they have against teams that they've seen before. Maybe that says there's not adequate preparation for the non-conference teams uh, that they haven't seen. Maybe it says something that their staff has evolved with seeing those teams and does a better job in the post-scout. But I don't know, Billy. All that to say, probably four or five wins. It's going to be difficult. Um, I think they're really up against it here, and they don't have the talent that they've had in the past. They don't have the defense that they've had in the past. Um, and I think the defense is probably the biggest thing I look at. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I go back to the Memphis game, you know, you, you mentioned Manion. Um, I'm really impressed by him in, in that Memphis game. Uh, and, and he's been with Lawrence struggling. He's been the guy. Um, and, and that love, love Ezra. He's, he's awesome, but he's not built to be the guy. Um, he's a, he's a, amazing facilitator he gets in the lane really well um i think you can have certain nights where he is the guy um but that memphis game showed me that right now he he's their dude um and and, you know you're just it's it's hard like that it's hard when you're um you know he's gotten a lot better i'll give him credit he he played really well in that memphis game um but you gotta have lawrence step up uh in an ideal scenario jason rivera torres i think really heats up um, and, and, you know, you start to see you know, what, what his real potential is. I think you've seen a little bit of that. Um, Carter Lane kind of is who he is. You know, I can't imagine, you know, the guys he's going to have to face, although I don't think there's too many extremely dominant five men, but they're all extremely athletic. Um, mm-hmm. So 
that's going to be some of the matchups are going to be interesting to watch. Um, I think Evan Taylor could have some some matchup advantages against certain guys that he's guarding, um, or that that are guarding him. But at the end of the day, Joe, it's just hard to see this team turning it around. Um, and I'd say turn it around as you know get even close to to five hundred in SEC play. And that you know at that point you're still not you know, you're still not even really on the bubble, I don't think. Um, and so it's hard. It's hard to see a path. Uh, Joey, Saturday against Alabama, 2.30 tip-off. Obviously very familiar with this Alabama team. As you mentioned, uh, Stackhouse and Vanderbilt fans are. Uh, they they beat or they lost Alabama last year, of course. Um, lost to them at home. The game at home was, was obviously a lot closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think you point to that and you go, okay, you're at home. Uh, but at Alabama with with Nate Oates is they, obviously they're not as good as they were last year. No Brandon Miller, but they still got uh, Mark Sears. Uh, I want to say they've got a talented freshman that they brought in that is is really good. So it's it's gonna be tough, Joey. Said, and that's where it starts, right? You've got Alabama Saturday, uh, and then at LSU on Tuesday, you go go see Jordan Wright, um, and then at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is thirteen and O right now. Um, Against Auburn in Nashville, really good Auburn team at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's really good versus Tennessee right here in Nashville. Should be, a, I think, a fun atmosphere, but, you know, it's Tennessee. And then at Auburn, and then you finally get a little bit of a break with Missouri. So, Joe, I think you tweeted it. Maybe you put it on the board. These first six SEC games, you can even argue seven, is a gauntlet. Really tough. So, we're going to know if this team gets even remotely close to turning it around within these next six games. Um, but the SEC is tough every year, Joey, and, and it starts Saturday against Alabama. So yeah, I've got four and 14 in the SEC, Joey, four, maybe five, uh, five and 13, I guess, in that range. But we'll see, Joey. Again, last year at this point, again, we weren't covering Vanderbilt together. I would be interested to. I would love to go back in time and like. I know I don't know if you were doing a ton of podcasts like this midweek, but how you were talking about this team, maybe even off the record with, with people, um, if you thought it could be turned around. I'm sure there was a little bit of thought that it could, but this year I don't see it, and I and I don't think you or or most people really see it either. Yeah, I saw it more last year, and I'm a little more cognizant of it now because I've covered a team that's turned it around under Stackhouse and with a lot of these same players, but. The thing that's telling to me is just like if they are in this range in a month, every SEC team that plays Vanderbilt will be playing a quad four game. And I think that will motivate these teams to kind of bring it against Vanderbilt. I think there were some teams early in the in, early in SEC play last year that kind of sleptwalked through Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt could legitimately be the reason that a team doesn't get in the tournament. And it's, that's crazy to say in January. But if you look at a team like South Carolina, who will probably end up on the bubble, if they lose to Vanderbilt, it's a quad four loss, no matter where the game is being played right now. Tennessee could move down two seed lines if they lose a quad four game to Vanderbilt, because a lot of those teams on the two and three line don't have quad four losses. It's unreal to see that. Uh, And I think Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt is certainly not helping the league doing that. I guess that's something Vanderbilt fans can hang their hat on, is maybe they could wreck some team seasons, but... I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find some teams that come in and sleepwalk against Vanderbilt. I think all these teams are going to know that the game against Vanderbilt is really important, and thus it's going to be really difficult for Vanderbilt to win these games. They have guys who can 
who can propel them to winning tough games. Ezra Mignon and Tyron Lawrence did it before when they got hot last year, even without Liam Robbins in the lineup. Um, but, man, it's going to be tough. And they're going to have to have Van Allen Lubin on the floor a lot. I think he will probably be available against Alabama. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, though. So we'll see. I guess that's a starting point. Getting Lubin more consistently in the lineup, consistently getting healthy. But it's just so hard to see the path for this team really doing anything impactful, even with the NIT expanding, even with it being such a big schedule. I, I have a hard time seeing Stackhouse, a Stackhouse coach team being completely uncompetitive in SEC play because we haven't seen that before. We've seen them yeah. have really uncompetitive games, and I would expect that they'll probably have one or two of those. But I think generally they'll probably be competitive. It's just I think these teams know how to win. Vanderbilt doesn't know how to win. These teams defend. I don't think Vanderbilt defends at that level. And I think there's just a talent gap between these teams. Like you mentioned, I think I'm the biggest Ezra Wanyon advocate in the world. I don't think people realize how good or how important good point guard play is. And I think Vanderbilt has it. But again, like you said, these teams are trotting out. Alabama has Mark Sears and Grant Nelson. Auburn has Janai Broom as their best player. Kentucky's got Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, draft picks. Michi Johnson at South Carolina. Those guys are, I think Ezra Mignon probably would not be their number one option. That's what I'll say. Tyree Stratford, Wade Taylor, Texas A&M, Billy. It's just, there's just a gap. Tyron Lawrence has to be the X factor here. He's got to step up. And uh, they've got to have other guys do the same. But, again, it's just kind of striking to see where this program is at at this point in the year. And maybe they can turn it around. But the fact that we're even talking about this little SEC wins and this low of a ceiling – really not where we anticipated we'd be and not something that bodes well for this program moving forward. Yeah. Playing spoiler feels like the, the role of this, this, this team this year, Um, which I mean, I think can be fun for fans, but in year five, it's, it's, I mean, it's hard, hard to say that, you know, that that there's going to be much fun that the rest of this year. Um, So we'll see Joey Uh, start Saturday, Alabama, comes into Memorial, and then, like I said, at LSU next week, and then Ole Miss uh, comes to town on uh, next Saturday. Or, no, that's actually in Oxford. So, mm-hmm. tough tough first stretch here for Vanderbilt SEC play. But, Joey, that'll do it. I'll be there Saturday in Memorial. Uh, you'll, you'll be covering it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, like I said, on the football front, we'll probably get something out uh, around next week. But basketball heating up. And baseball, I think, 43 days away. So, I think most fans are obviously ready for that. Uh, But either way, Joey, appreciate the time. And you've been listening to another episode of the Vandy Sports Podcast.